0: Pleasure to be joined by uh, lawyer and TRU lecturer Jeffrey Myers on another busy week on the Trump-Russia collusion front. Jeffrey, how are you?
1: I'm good. Good to be on with you, Shane.
0: Yeah, good to talk to you. Okay, so uh, we talked a little bit about this last week, uh, developments on the Paul Manafort and Michael Cohen front. Uh, Since we talked, we've had some more information in the court filings there. Uh, Some pretty interesting stuff, especially with Michael Cohen. I'm sure you've had a chance to take a look at some of that. But uh, what's your sense now that we're getting a little bit more of a glimpse of what the special counsel has in play here?
1: Well, I mean, it's, again, the, I think that the, um, that the, Mil, that the uh, Mueller inquiry, the Mueller probe is, is basically speaking through the indictments, right? So rather than getting a bunch of leaks, you have the actual uh, court filings, right? And so um, in the case of, um, of Mr. Cohen, what's so significant, I mean, last week we already knew that um, uh, Mr. Cohen had pled guilty to lying to Congress. Um but one of the things uh, and we, that was so sort of significant about um you know the developments this week um was um you know that, that even though mr cohen has been has been describing himself as cooperating um the 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 both the southern district of new york and the the Mueller probe have described him as being helpful in some ways, but withholding in other ways. So he's clearly they've done sentencing submissions for him in regard to the various um, uh, indictment, various uh, um, um, crimes he's pled guilty to, um, and many of them revolve around um, lying and misrepresentation around contacts with Russia during deep into the campaign. And it suggests that what the Mueller investigation is now doing is it's going to the heart of what it was asked to do. Remember it was was tasked with looking at the question of contacts between the Trump campaign and Russian interests that may have led to or been involved in interfering with the outcome of the election. And they were incidentally, along with that, permitted to uh, investigate whatever illegality came up along the way. Now we're really getting to the heart of the very specific um, and explosive events which might constitute that link and so that's why things are becoming um, more intensified now of course one could ask and I you know I think there are people asking the question of if none of the bombs have dropped so far have been sufficient to move the dial what what's different about the situation now what makes now um, a more significant um, uh, fact. Well, we're now getting closer and closer. Again, you have Mr. Trump being named as individual one um, in connection with this very specific question of building the Trump Tower in Moscow as a business project, which Mr. Trump had had an interest in for decades, okay, back to the 80s. Whether there was a quid pro quo on having this tower built in exchange for um, promising to remove sanctions if elected as president? And that really – the evidence is now starting – just based on the indictments alone and the guilty pleas that are coming in in connection with those are starting to become um, you know, uh, sufficient to, I think, um, put Mr. Trump into a position where Congress will be hard-pressed to explain why they weren't moving towards impeachment.
0: Yeah, and you and I talked about the Trump Tower Moscow project last week, and there was another line uh, in the court submissions uh, under Mr. Cohen, and I'll just quote them here. Certain discrete Russia-related matters, unquote, that are core to Mueller's investigation, we don't know what that is. It's sort of a tantalizing, vague clue. Uh, but Russia aside, uh, Jeff, the other thing that kind of jumped out at me was, uh, as you mentioned, individual one, we have little doubt this is Mr. Trump. Uh, but Michael Cohen is saying that this individual one, Trump, directly instructed him to pay off uh, hush money to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal, two women that Trump is alleged to have affairs with. And that could be damning on, on a couple of fronts, I think.
1: hmm well um there's the laws in in um, the United States around um elections require you to report not only um donations to your campaign but also donations in kind that means somebody who's doing something which will benefit you albeit directly. You know this is not the most um the the, the information about these payoffs now has been confirmed by uh, Mr. Cohen and certainly puts him in the realm of wrongdoing and if mr Trump were attached to it you know in the case of any other president or it probably would be a career ending um... kind of thing but i think for in the case of mr trump the fact that the that these payments occurred um, are likely not going to be the things which are going to move um, you know outliers uh, you know people who are still holding on and loyal in in the Senate or those who in in the Republican party or those on the democratic side who want to wait until an election i don 't know that that will be what do it does it, but I do think if there was a kind of quid pro quo on Russia which started to explain some of the president 's behaviors well in office and could in fact again because of what Mr. Cohen is sort of saying could be traced all the way through. Um, into the presidency, that that would be, um, I think, even more significant for the sake of sort of moving the dial on on the purposes for which um, Mr. Mueller's probe was struck. That said, of course, these are all surrounding forms of illegality, and there's clearly an image of a casual kind of... um, uh, attitude towards the law and towards, um, you know, norms which had hitherto governed uh, presidential campaigns. So uh, it's in effect, it's it's almost as if the enemy of the truth here is the overwhelming nature of the evidence across a variety of areas for just forms of um, sort of brazen corruption, which, you know, again, in an isolated way have seen, we've seen in the past, but not in such a brazen or obvious way. So again, just the obviousness of this and how all of these pieces are becoming woven together, uh, I think is, is significant.
0: Uh, Paul Manafort, it's the other big name here. And again, we addressed yeah. a little bit of that last week. But yeah. uh, in the court filings that have been unveiled since, uh, Special Counsel Mueller uh, has said that uh, Mr. Manafort lied about five major issues in agreeing to cooperate with prosecutors, including his contact with administration officials. And he also lied about his interactions with a man Mueller has said has ties to Russian military intelligence. He's the guy, of course, who hacked uh, the Democrats with all that information that was then given to WikiLeaks. But uh, one more link with Russia's name all over it there.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, I think that the, again, though. I mean, I I I'm, I kind of share the some of the head scratching moments, as I've said to you before. As some of this information was quite, you know, apparent, or or in you know in the public sphere, it had been exposed by investigative journalists, you know, much much earlier on. Again, it was known that it was the fact of this relationship, particularly with pro-Russian interests in the Ukraine, who had hired him as a political consultant um for many for many years before he got on the Trump campaign and then and then what the Mueller campaign has exposed i suppose is the degree to which he he had debts to some of these individuals who he had worked for in the pro putin pro russian ukrainian camp and how uh, he was in the and so that the debts that he then had to these individuals were somehow or another this is again this is Putting the pieces together. There's a lot of redactions in the documents that have been put out. And again, we're not we're, speak, we're speaking only from what we can garner from the face of these indictments and what's publicly available. But it suggests, again, Mr. Manafort, another piece of evidence, Mr. Manafort worked for Mr. Trump for free. You know, so his argument was, well, I had not been involved in a campaign in a while. I was getting back in the game. But again, you put that together, the fact that he owes money to, to certain individuals who are closely associated with Mr. Putin and particularly his interests in Russia. At the same time as working on the campaign, and then you have this other evidence—you know, the meeting at Trump Tower where he's present, um, again along with Jared Kushner and Donald Trump Jr., who I think likely are going to be the next shoes to drop. And maybe, if anything causes the dial to move, it will be that.
0: Yeah. Um, Okay. Again, Mr. Mueller has has done a very good job of holding his cards very, very close to his chest in this day and age of, of social media and all of the information leaks. He's managed to keep a Tight lid on things, Uh, but one thing that did jump out at me from reading all the paperwork over the last week is we don't know the substance a lot of this stuff. But it's now pretty clear that he's running not one, not two, but possibly more uh, criminal investigations all concurrently. Do you sort of get that feeling too, or?
1: Yeah. Okay. So there's multiple investigations going on, and one of the things I think people have to understand because the states themselves also are aware that that if if Mr. Trump pardons somebody like Mr. Manafort. Or some of these other interlocutors who've uh, who get what's going to be the effect, right? So that there's now there's now this is outside of Mr. Muller's of course, a federal appointment, but outside of him, there are also states' attorney generals looking at all kinds of the conduct of the Trump administration, and then there are also, by the way, um, civil lawsuits around the Emoluments Clause and other issues which continue to move forward. But within the Mueller investigation, it does appear to be several, uh, uh, some of the way the legal commentators and some of the scholars have described it as being kind of a series of baskets of crimes, if you will, which the, um, which which he's looking into. And I think part of what, what the the main thing I think listeners will want to understand out of that is just to remember that these crimes like um, obstruction of justice, for example, example, or conspiracy, which are a lot of the crimes that are being um, charged or investigated, are crimes having to do with uh, trying to cover up or in some way or another uh, work together with somebody else on carrying out some underlying substantive crime. And one's guilt or innocence for those crimes is independent of whether the substantive criminal undertaking beneath it actually bore fruit, right? So you can be a very incompetent um, criminal and fail to sort of um, actually achieve, achieve your your underlying criminal objectives, but still be guilty of conspiracy or the, to hide them or to carry them out, or an obstruction of justice to prevent yourself from being found out, so that they end up being quite um, separate baskets but what has been happening over the last month and what we can see happening is the way in which some of these different baskets are converging more and more. And again, that suggests that the Mueller investigation is coming towards its end. But there's a sense that Mr. Mueller is trying to find the most explosive evidence, the closest to Mr. Trump, for the very the very end of this process. But everyone's holding their breath because the rule of law has been so profoundly degraded in the American context over these two short years of the Trump administration that we're not sure whether the elected leaders or the public even will respond with the necessary um, degree of um, duty that the law would require them to respond to if the direction of the Mueller investigation is what it seems to be. And we won't likely know until the new year.
0: Yeah. Uh, One of those uh, uh, separate investigations, we don't know what it is, but uh, one of those ones that was referenced was referenced under uh, Michael Flynn, a guy we haven't talked a whole lot about, but uh, former Trump uh, inner circles, national security advisor before he was drummed out. uh, Mr. Mueller uh, saying, listen, he's been so helpful that there's I'm not going to recommend any jail time, unlike Mr. Cohen and Mr. Manafort. Uh, What does that tell you?
1: Well, it's hard to divine from the tea leaves on that. What's clear is that Mr. Muller, I mean, Mr. Flynn, a former military man. I think ultimately, um, you know, for him, he was he, he cooperated completely. He uh, ultimately, um, you know, is is obviously, I think, the most significant, most broadly cooperating witness. And the result is, I think, the message is, of course, for Mueller to potential other witnesses. Uh, If you cooperate, you know, you'll have mercy. Uh, If you try to have it both ways and you're coy um, or you um, come sort of Johnny-come-lately to the game, then you're not going to have the same benefits. So, again, in the case of Manafort, breaking the agreement, the confidentiality agreement, by continuing to speak to Trump lawyers and giving false information. And then in in Mr. Cohen's case, yes, you know, cooperating, but also, um, you know, um, a lot of the criminal type of liability that Mr. Cohen is involved with, um, you know, he's not, he's not going to be getting away with. But yeah, in the case of Mr. Flynn, the cooperation was sufficient. And, and so it's, again, it's a part of the messaging um, that the Mueller team will put out. But it's also a kind of function of the fact that Mr. Flynn was one of the first people to, to cooperate and one of the first people to sort of begin to have as, as a key witness in the case.
0: Yeah, truly. Uh and I believe his son had a bit of a role in there as well possibly in having a little something over Mr. Flynn's head, but
1: uh, uh that's if- right. So there's always and so that's the kind of uh, the ultimate, you know, ugliness of these things or the weirdness and the kind of um, you know, <laughs> a kind of nepotistic environment of these kind of um political elites, right? You have Don Jr. involved, you have um, michael flynn 's son that all these all these people, all these people were riding along all of these children of the principles, and you know it 's frankly bizarre be for a democracy, right we expect you know the Crown Prince of Saudi Arabia to be running things, and we expect. Um, you know military attaches and their hangers on to be involved in the inner circles of uh, governing in countries we don 't consider to be democracies, uh, but we don 't expect it in the united states so it 's part of this cultural shock that I think america 's in a kind of disequilibrium that 's resulted from it, which makes it very hard to process in some cases uh, crimes which have been committed in front of everybody 's eyes recently and in the public
0: all right last uh, last question to you and I know you've touched on this in our chats in the past but uh, it struck me uh, coming from uh, Democrat Adam Schiff and others in Congress this week uh, that there is now chatter openly about uh, Mr. Trump um, you know again we we don't know how this is all going to play out but um, some possibility down the road that once he leaves office he might be the first president to face some serious criminal charges the minute he does
1: I mean, look, I, I, people, I've, I've said to you before that the, that the question of whether you can indict a sitting president, it's not like all legal scholars think the answer is no. But for example, myself, I do think that it, in principle, it should be possible to indict a sitting president if he has acted illegally in a way that basically um, is sufficiently serious. Because the idea of the rule of law means that everyone is bound by the same laws, both the rulers and the ruled. So ultimately, if a president is completely immune from indictment. Um, it suggests there 's a problem with the rule of law, however, other scholars um, will tell you, and this is the position of the justice department as well that the, the the remedy for a president who acts illegally is impeachment, and that indictment would then be a separate matter once he was impeached and then convicted by the senate so there 's only a political oversight rather than a criminal oversight of the president while he 's in office right and so Let's imagine for a moment that uh, Congress does its duty and impeaches, and then that goes to the Senate floor and gets a conviction. It is by no means likely that that will happen or certain in any, in, 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 in any way for all kinds of different reasons. But even if that did happen, would he then be indicted in private life um, You know, later on? It's really hard to predict something like that. It would be extremely unusual. There's no historical uh, precedent for that. Certainly the next president, if, say, for example, was Mike Pence, could pardon him, which would mean he couldn't get indicted, at least for a federal any kind of federal charges, would he have legal exposure for some stuff in the states? You know, possibly. Is Mr. Trump likely to be impeached from office? I mean, I don't think he's, it's immediately likely, again, as I said, there's a consensus among the political elite, including Democrats, that they should be very careful about this. But again, that it may be a game-changer as the Mueller report comes out. But indictment, that's not going to happen, I don't think, um, until Mr. Trump leaves office. And even then, if he's given a pardon by his successor... Um, you know, unless Mike Pence is, uh, is removed from office as well, then things get a little more complicated about how the pardon would be used. It's going to be pretty um, unusual. I, I can't predict it with any degree of certainty, but it would be extremely unusual.
0: Yeah, okay. Uh, Jeff, always a pleasure talking to you, and as I said, uh, we'll have to connect in the new year as I'm away over the holidays due to some medical stuff. But uh, Merry Christmas to you and yours, and thanks so much for your insight.
1: You and your listeners as well, Shane. Thanks for the privilege of uh, being on with you uh, for the better part of this uh, fall.
0: Yeah, it sounds good. And uh, judging by how fast things are moving, we may have to set aside an hour or two to talk when we reconnect in January. So, Well, you know I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. All, All right, right, take care. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Okay, bye-bye.